Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Dr. Daniel Selby is the founder and lead tax strategist and preparer for 833 Tax Drop. 833 Tax Drop serves clients in 48 states. Go to 833taxdrop.com or call toll-free 833-TAX-DROP. Dr. Selby is a licensed certified public accountant in Virginia, California, and Florida, and is also a certified information systems auditor. Okay, again, we have with us Dr. Selby, and we are excited about um, today's podcast and the information we're going to be discussing. Um, Dr. Selby, we had a question from a listener about what we can do to legally pay less taxes. Well, first of all, let me say good evening to you, and thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. So the answer to that question is it all depends. And I know you've heard that before, but basically the real short answer is to do things that will make you and those in your circle wealthier. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what, what do you mean by that? Okay. Like things like buy rental property, buy a home, start a business at home or somewhere, be charitable to register not-for-profits in your house of faith, create your own college saving plans for your children and others, and then fund that plan. Max out your retirement contributions, and that's an easy way. That's your best chance of becoming a millionaire. If you're right out of college and you're mm -hmm. starting a job, mm -hmm. you know, look at the federal maximum. Right now, it's nineteen thousand. Mm -hmm. If you're over the age of fifty, it's twenty twenty-six thousand. Just act like you don't have that nineteen thousand dollars. It comes right off of your um, your taxes, so it's tax deferred income that you'll pay taxes on mm -hmm. later in life. But if you can throw in that nineteen thousand. For the next 30 years, if you work till you're 65, when it, the, the limit kicks up because you're over the age of 50, continue to max out every year. And this is what I tell my children. You'll be a millionaire by the time you're 55. Wow. Okay. And then there's other things to think about, too. Just real simple things. Hold on to your stock for more than a year after you purchase it and never file a married filing separate return. Wow. Okay. And mm -hmm. always file your returns on time, regardless if you have the money or not. So why is that holding on to the stock for at least a year so important? Okay. So then the capital gains treatment is different mm -hmm. if you've held on to the stock more than a year. If you sell it in less than 365 days, that's considered to be a short sell. And then not only that, if you hold on to the stock for more than a year, the dividends from the stock is considered to be a qualified dividend, which is not taxable. Mm -hmm. okay. I, I understand that, and I understand the uh, concept behind adding more of your income into um, a retirement plan. Mm -hmm. But what I don't understand is how is it that owning a rental property helps? It seems like that would create taxes mm -hmm. instead of helping mm -hmm. pay less taxes. That's when a skilled tax professional comes in okay. to play. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, and I tell you, going back to your point, Dr. Selby, um, earlier about, you know, just making sure that you put the maximum in. I remember when I just started out in my career, and when you're a young professional, it's like you need every dollar you can get, and that is so hard to do. Well, let me, let me, let me comment on that. We all, as human beings, find a way to do the things that we want to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. If it's important to you to be able to retire at the age of 50 or 55, wow. yeah. um, act as if you don't have that money. 
mm-hmm. figure out how to survive and get by without it. And you can do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't have to have the biggest car. You don't yeah. have to have the biggest home. You don't have to have all the fancy. So you don't cars. want us keeping up with the Joneses. That <laughs> no. Well, that's, 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 that'll get anyone in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true. That's so true. You, you never want to do that. Yeah. Okay. So figure out what makes you comfortable and live within your means. And it might come down to simple as simple, something as simple as eating out one day less per week mm-hmm. for your career for lunch mm-hmm. or bringing your lunch to work. And just looking at the long term. Yeah. yeah. This is a long run strategy. It's a marathon. This is life. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that um, starting a business could be one of those ways that we would pay less taxes. Mm-hmm. Can you give us top the t- your top three financial mistakes business owners make and explain why they are so critical. Okay. So first of all, procrastinating on starting and funding your own retirement plan, regardless of what you do and how Mm, much you love it, you can't do it forever. Yeah. And how many people, at least I know in my my profession or line of work, um, by coming into contact with other entrepreneurs, um, they're in age 70, Mm, behind in their taxes or others other liabilities, and they can't stop working because they owe. But if they had a retirement fund, it would make life just a little bit easier for them. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and I know you've heard this before, is some people who own their own businesses think they know it all. Mm -hmm. No one knows it all. Mm -hmm. The mark of a true expert is the person who know what they do not know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. So if you don't know how to do a budget, hire somebody that can do a budget. If you don't know anything about HR legalities and the law, mm-hmm. employment law specifically, mm-hmm. hire someone who does. Other legal matters always come into play in terms of contracts, so it would be very helpful if you had a professional worker with you who understood those things. Marketing, advertising, and the big one is accounting. Yeah. You know, um, there's one software that I won't name mm-hmm. that gives business owners the false impression that they understand accounting. And I can tell you now, when I do tax returns, there's an enormous amount of money that people lose really by trying to do it themselves because mm-hmm. they just don't know right. you don't understand the tax law right. hire someone who does right 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 but before I, oh and then oh and you asked for three things yes. mm-hmm. third thing is getting into quicksand um and what i mean by that is paying last year's taxes with this year's profits mm-hmm. you are behind you may not even realize it or not or maybe in denial if you're an entrepreneur but the money that you're making right now to use to pay last year's taxes how are you going to pay the taxes on the money that you're making right now? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those are the three things. Procrastinating on your retirement plan, trying to be a know-it-all and thinking that you can do it all yourself, and um, being in quicksand by not keeping up with your taxes. Right. But before I go too far with that, let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about some of the um, the other details regarding the taxes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the things that I gave you about becoming wealthier, right. it's... It's things that you would want to do anyway, but it's, the irony is you lower your taxes by doing those things. Mm-hmm. Like you can become an itemized filer mm-hmm. if you own a home. Mm-hmm. If you're paying rent, it's less likely that you're going to be able to file an itemized return. So in the case of renters, you're more than likely going to be a standard tax return filer. And there's not a lot of leverage out there for you that you can do. But these, these are some quick things you can think about. Again, max out the retirement contribution. If you're under the age of 50 right now, it's $19,000, okay? If you're not in a retirement plan, contribute up to $6,000 to an IRA. If you're single, mm-hmm. 
and your income is below one hundred and twenty-two thousand, which is very likely, mm-hmm. right, right? Put that six thousand dollars in IRA. At least you're doing something and not doing nothing, okay? And even if you're married, filing jointly, and, and one of your spouse, if a spouse in a couple mm-hmm. is not in a retirement plan, have, a, have do an IRA for the spouse that's not in a retirement plan, mm-hmm. okay? Six thousand dollars per year, okay? Again, buy a home. So one question: Some people say, "Well, when is it?" Better to rent and when is it better to own? I mm-hmm. believe that's right. a, a, a question that pops up right. from time to time. Um, time in the market on real estate is just like trying to time the market on stock. Mm-hmm. You never know what it's going to do. Right. But the sooner you get in there, at least you're building equity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, But caveat to that is if you're going to live in an area and you don't plan on being there past three years, then you may not want to own. You may just want to rent. Okay. Okay. But again, in summary, the main takeaway from all this if you're filing a standard return, your goal is to become an itemized tax filer. That's where mm-hmm. there's many more options for you that are available. So, um, Because what you're saying is yeah. that people are leaving money on the table. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so, And if you're an itemized filer, these are some things mm-hmm. you want to think about. Now, we can go into, into intricate details, but we'd be here too long. So let me try to give you some quick things to think about. Um, know your estimated tax liability for the year. Mm-hmm. Do you know your estimated tax liability no, for the year? No, I don't. Okay. No. no. But when you said that, I'm thinking, that is a good thing to know. Right. Yeah. You want to know that, yeah. right? Because yeah. it changes the game right. between now and December 31st it on what does. you can do, right? Yeah. Okay. Know your minimum disposable income. And by that, I mean, how much does it cost or take to maintain your current lifestyle because okay but let me ask you this dr Sell, because Mm -hmm. now that's bothering me that i don't know that is that something the average person should know because um it's not easy to do right okay but see a professional okay okay to ask them that so that you know what you're working with right that is good information know how much it costs to live your lifestyle know how much you have so then that changes the game with you thinking about okay well now I got X amount of dollars to make charitable contributions. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Is that is that different from making just having a budget? Um, a budget is a start, mm-hmm. so it's a good idea to have a, a personal family budget. Mm-hmm. However, you really want to know, you know, add up mm-hmm. all your bills. Mm-hmm. How much? It's kind of like if you think about it, it's like an income statement, right? Mm-hmm. What's your plan income statement for the year, and that's what a budget would give you. So that helps you to know. Okay, well. We're behind in the game, so now we got to cut back on some mm. things, and we can make an estimated tax payment between December thirty first, between now and December thirty first. That's going to lower our taxes because then there will be an esti- uh, an, uh, a tax filing penalty if you haven't paid at least ninety percent mm. of your tax liability. So a lot of people don't know the answer to these questions until mm. they prepare their return, right. and that's April um, April fifteenth. Right, right, right. But how much would would it yeah. make you feel if you knew right now? Right. Oh well, right now we're in a position where we're going to get a refund, so. Right. Let's do the return and file it early. Uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, right, okay? yeah, yeah. But okay. even if you think that you're going to owe, do the return, don't file it, hold on to it, file it before April 15th, but now you're kind of in that quicksand position, right? right because yeah. now it's 2020, it's after January 1, so now you got to come up with the money so that you can file the return and make the payment. Right. But right. at a bare minimum, you do not want to miss that filing deadline. Right. File the return by April 15th, even if you do not have the money. What right. about extensions? What if you file an extension? Um, if you help? file an extension, it, it's not going to help you in terms of the interest mm-hmm. that's going to build up on the money, but at least you won't have a late filing penalty. Right. So it does help in that regard. So, all right. So now let's imagine we're in a perfect world. Mm-hmm. 
We know what our disposable income is. So now we're looking for reputable 501c3 organizations so that we can make those donations. Mm -hmm. So think about the things in our community that we want to see improved, right? right? right. Make those donations to the schools, the school in your neighborhood, or again, your, your house of faith. Right. Right. Okay. Other not-for-profits like the Hundred Black Men. Mm-hmm. I'm a member of that. Mm-hmm. We always need money to do the things oh, that God. we do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and so that will enable you to do the things, the other things on your list. Also, if you know your disposable income, remember that person who doesn't currently own a home who want to own one. Mm-hmm. Now right. you know how much you're saving towards right. that goal. You want to yes. start a business. You want to own a rental property. Knowing your disposable income will get you there faster. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you're leaving everything to chance. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So now you haven't filed your return yet. So you're thinking about, well, what do I need to do between now and the time when I go see my tax professional? Get, get organized. Keep a running list of all your payments that you made for your donations to not-for-profits, your medical expenses, your mm-hmm. property tax payments, right. your real estate tax payments, and also the receipts on your – because sometimes – your sales tax amount, if you made, if you went out and bought a vehicle, mm-hmm. um, expensive equipment, um, things like that, those the, the sales taxes may exceed the amount of state taxes that you paid or property taxes. So, you know, Just, yeah, you know. So keep a running list of your receipts and be organized. Keep all of the documentation because you can do a return with a professional, but at the end of the day, it's your return. If the return is audited, you're the person being audited, not the person who filed the return for you. Mm-hmm. You're being audited. So you have the ultimate responsibility to maintain all of the documents that you need. Mm-hmm. And also, don't think of an audit as a bad thing because it's random. Mm-hmm. Or not unless you do I think of it as a bad thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily a bad thing because if you're prepared yeah. and you yeah. know that you yeah. had the return prepared yeah. by a professional and but it's that's done scary correctly, though. So what? Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times you walk into those audits and you wind up getting more money. Yeah. Okay. okay. I've never heard that one. Yeah. It's yeah. It's happened, happened, to, yeah. happened to me. Yeah. It happened to me 20 some years ago. Well, but you're that, a professional. Was, of course that, it happened that to That was you. my first audit. Yeah. I, I had my first startup yeah. business. I was yeah. living in California at the time. And the tax um, um, examiner had to cut off the interview because he realized that they were going to owe me more money. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. okay. So do the return right. Okay. You know, and not be make sure that. that you got a good person doing the return for you. Mm-hmm. And you'll be in good shape. Hmm. Okay. okay. All right. Well, let, let's go to another question. We had a question from a listener over 65 who went back to work full time and is now finding it challenging to pay the taxes owed. So can you share a bit of tips about the maximum amount retirees can earn um, that may benefit us all and then possibly share some info specifically on retirees returning to work and the impl- implications of that? Gotcha. Okay. Because you're so, hearing about that more and more. Yeah, because yeah. older people are working. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's a lot of job opportunities. Yeah. The young folks, uh, well, let me say this. The more seasoned people, the mm-hmm. ones who understand how important it is to show up on time, to look the part when they yeah. show up, yeah. perform the job as they're being paid to do. So there's a lot of confidence, reliability that's placed on the seasoned people in the working yeah. market. So you'll be able to work till you die if you want to because there'll always be an opportunity for you as long as you have that work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. Some folks who are not seasoned are still coming to that understanding of that reality. Okay. So that's why seasoned people in the work market are preferred now. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be that way for a long time. Okay. So let me move on to, you, to answer your question. Okay. So the calculations of your Social Security payments are based on your highest 35 earning years. Okay. 
Now, with that said, the amount that you earn over the wage base, which is currently $132,900, is not considered in that calculation. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the wage base is? No. The wage base is the amount that where you, your gross income exceeds that wage base, you don't pay any more Social Security taxes. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. I know you know what that Yeah. Was. Yeah. When you, you just said that, I was like, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So... Another thing to think about, too, always sign up for Medicare as soon as you turn 65, right? But consider delaying your Social Security payments. The more benefit, you get more benefits if you wait when you get closer to 70. Okay. Okay. So the individuals that you're describing right now, Mm -hmm. probably as soon as they turn 62, they jump right in. Okay. However, they knew they were going to keep working. So now the bad news for that is 85% of your Social Security benefits are taxed if you're filing a joint return with your spouse and your income is over $44,000 combined. Really? Yeah. All of it is taxed at the 85%. Mm-hmm. Well, at least 85% of it is taxed if you're married filing separately, but still maintain the same residence mm-hmm. as the other spouse. So wow. there is no exclusion threshold in that scenario. And for all others, if you're head of household, single, etc., you make over $34,000, 85% of those Social Security benefits are going to be taxed. And the reason why your your friend is in that conundrum is because they probably don't have anything withheld from it. Wow. Okay. So if you know you're going to keep working, why not push back? At least one spouse, if you're, in, if you're still married, mm-hmm. one person should try to hold off mm-hmm. on that. And it probably should be the person who is making the most money because and the reason why I say that is when one of the spouses die you know, the remaining spouse can opt that other person's benefit, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. forego their benefit, and then get the tax payments that would have been received by the deceased spouse. More than likely, that's going to be more. So then now you're getting more Social Security benefit because you're the the existing spouse Mm -hmm. in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Very good information. And, but now if you're only half of your Social Security benefits are taxed over $25,000 if you're married, filing, uh, single, head of household, or you're a qualifying widower. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hopefully I answered your question. Yeah, that's, that's good information. But I'm thinking about when you said that, um, that threshold amount. Mm-hmm. If you're a more seasoned worker and you've been in your career for a while, mm-hmm. chances are you're going to get caught in that. That's right. Yeah. So don't take the Social Security until you really think that you really are going to slow down. That's interesting. Or you can go to your job and say, okay, well, can I cut my hours? Can I go to a part-time arrangement? Right, right, right. And try to negotiate that. And you're asking for them to pay you less money. Yeah. Um, So that's, you know, that's something that you could consider. However, I don't think many people would do that. Right. But if you're saying, well, I'm working, but all of it's going towards taxes. Mm -hmm. So what's the point? Right, right. Maybe I should only come in here for 20 hours versus 40. Right. Okay. Good information. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Since we're talking about retirement, what can young professionals, maybe in their 30s, 40s, do now to better prepare for retirement? And um, when deciding on job offers, in addition to their base salary, what additional benefits should they be looking for as part of their employment package to set set them up on financial stability. Okay. Recall what I said a few minutes ago about the goal is to to become an itemized filer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, start a business, um, buy a home, Mm -hmm. 
Do all of those things that's going to make everyone in your circle and yourself wealthier. Mm-hmm. If you do those things, I know it's ironic, but you will actually be lowering your taxes. Because think about it. You're still working. You're gainfully employed. And you're starting a business while you're doing that. Right. What are the odds of that business being profitable right off the jump? Mm-hmm. Right. New. Yeah. Right. 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 Very yeah. slim, very, if any. Very. Right. Mm-hmm. So that the losses from that business can be used to offset right. your taxable income on your W-2. So that's why you're gainfully employed. Do all the other things that's going to make you wealthier, right? And before you know it, over time, those other things make you so much more wealthier, then it might exceed what you get on your W-2 income, or at least from your job. So now I've created an opportunity for myself where I could do or devote all my time full time to all the other things that... I have honestly... Like in my case. Never thought of that. Yeah, I was a a tenure-track faculty member. Right. 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 Making good money. Right. But however, the opportunities that I created for myself through my businesses now are exceed what by right. far right. what I was doing when I was an employee. employee. So right. be the boss. I mean, it's a cost to be the boss. Right. But when you get there, you can really be the boss. But what, I, what I'm thinking about, though, Dr. Selby, is when you talk about young people doing that and the benefit to doing that in addition to working there. Well, while you're an employee, you should be at an employer that's teaching the things that's going to set you up for your next Mm -hmm. job, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So if you have the, if you're blessed with the opportunity to to pursue multiple job opportunities and you're trying to figure out which job to take, which job is going to best prepare you for that next job? Because the first job out of college is more than likely not going to be that job that you want, right? right? Mm -hmm. However, will it get you closer to the job that you really want? Okay. Okay. Then you think about location, because location is important. I happen to live in Silicon Valley. I grew up in New York City. So guess what? You don't like the employer where you are. You live in an area where there's other employers where you could do that same thing somewhere else, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to change addresses. Mm -hmm. So the location matters, too. The other thing to think about is the cost of living. Will that job pay you enough to even live there, right? Right. And then you get into the benefit things, right? Like one of my daughters is graduating from Georgia Tech this year. She's going to work for a company that um, will not only match dollar for dollar her retirement contribution, but they'll also kick in an extra 17 cents. So what, what that means is for every dollar that she pays towards her own uh, retirement, the employer is going to match it with the dollar and 17 cents. Now, they cap it. There's a maximum mm-hmm. that they cap up to, of course. Mm-hmm. However, consider that $19,000 federal maximum that my daughter could put in, mm-hmm. right? So she'll do that. Mm-hmm. And then for every dollar up to the ceiling where the company matches, she's getting a dollar and 17 cents. That's how mm-hmm. you can become a millionaire. Right, right, right. You got the odds of you getting it that way as opposed to throwing a ball or dribbling a basketball. Right. Much more likely right. this way by doing it that way. And, and, and one last thing to it before we finish, think about how you can reduce your costs based on the people that you know, your relationships, mm-hmm. right? your fraternity and sorority mm-hmm. relationships, your friends from college. You move to New York City, it's very expensive to afford an apartment. Right, right. However, are there other people that you went to college who are also moving to New York? Right. right. Consider having a roommate. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. That's how you could, you know, right. exist in these places where the cost of living is a little bit higher than than normal, mm-hmm. but you could get by. You, right. And you could still find a way to, th- to max out your 401k contribution, mm-hmm. even as a 21-year-old right out of college. Just act as if you never had it. Right. You'll be fine. Well, let me ask you something, because you made the point about 
you deciding to leave your position and mm-hmm. okay. I just I saw where all of these things were going and I thought about investing in myself in a way that well, most people you know that's it's, what it's I a want risk. to talk to you about it's a risk yeah. you get into that point what yeah. did you consider because now you say of course it's more um, mm-hmm. beneficial for you financially right. to be on your own so what did you consider in making that leap the first job that I took out of college what job was going to prepare me for the next one and then the next job that I took, which one was preparing me for the next one, and so on and so on and so forth, where you, till you get to the point where you have the skills, where you can go out on your own. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's important okay. to know. Okay. But you got to have a supportive spouse, too. Right. I happen to do that. Right. I have okay. that. Okay. That is, that's wonderful. That's good information. Okay. And um, our last question, Dr. Selby, what steps or resources can parents or students take or utilize to better manage college expenses. We all know about the tremendous amount of student debt that students face. Uh, That is a major discussion point, of course, in the 2020 election. What is your best advice to students and parents on this issue? Now, I have have an opinion on this, of course, Mm -hmm. and um, hopefully you guys aren't going to smack me on the hand for this because um, it it can be viewed as controversial and judgmental. Mm -hmm. However, how good are you as a parent? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Did you read to your kids when they were toddlers? Did you get them interesting, interested in knowledge and learning before the age of three? That is controversial. Right? I know where <laughs> right. you're going with that. Exactly. Okay. Right. okay. Right? So, okay. I mean, I, I say this because, you know, try to position your kids so that they can graduate from high school on a level that's two or three years, two or three levels ahead of their peers. So that way they can go into a STEM major. Mm-hmm. Right? There's much more funding for students who are academically prepared than students emphasizing athletic scholarships. And I, you know, we all know families that are spending an enormous amount of money on trying to prep their kids to get into college as a student athlete. And I learned that that wasn't something that I wanted for my children because I taught many student athletes. I taught at Florida State Mm -hmm. University. Mm -hmm. They were excellent students. However, that's a job and they don't get to be what a kid that's 19 or 20 should be at that age. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. And then yeah. some of these kids, their whole families are hanging all their hopes and dreams on this one kid. And the odds of, of right, yeah. the odds of making it professionally in a sport are very, 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 very slim. Mm-hmm. So when I say to you yeah. that there's much more money for kids who go to college for, uh, you know, for academics, it just I think that the high schools, when they have these signing days for the mm-hmm. student athletes, mm-hmm. right. they should have signing days for the kids who are going to college just based on the academics, because then it would be eye-opening for everyone to see, well, wow, wait a minute, this whole high school, we only got five kids on signing day right. that got offers to go right. to college to be an athlete. However, they still got to get to college. They got to make the team. Right. Then, on top of that, they got to compete for those scholarships every year. And pray they don't get yeah. injured. Right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. those none of those guarantees, those scholarships yeah. are guaranteed for four years. Yeah. You got to compete every year. Yeah. You know how hard that is? Yeah, it's very hard. Right? Because there's always someone coming out that's better than you. Yeah. Right? And then say you get through college. You get through. Oh, and one other thing, too. The scholarships all are not always full scholarships. Mm-hmm. They're partial. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So then say you get through college on a full or partial scholarship. Then, you know, are you really going to make it in that sport? It's very, very hard. Mm-hmm. It's, okay. it's almost impossible. So, and then lastly... I say, think about your choice of major, mm-hmm. because me being a faculty member, 
I understand the benefits of going to college. I also understand how colleges could actually do things that could undermine the success of a student. Mm -hmm. And I say this with this analogy. You know, we no longer need lamplighters in society. Mm -hmm. However, if you had tenured faculty teaching lamplighting, you would still have that being taught at a college. It sounds absurd. Mm -hmm. However, some colleges offer majors where they know the chances of kids being employed in those majors are slim, if any. Wow. So to that point, you know, I guess the the position of the college is is that they feel as if they are um, still getting a a kid a chance to get a four-year degree, and then they'll figure it out later, Mm -hmm. doing something that they know is going to be something other than what they're being Mm -hmm. taught. Right. right. I could also offer that you should consider the college and its reputation as well. Yeah. Right. Um, If you're so... Again, going back to the parenting, what were you doing with that child when they were two and three and four years old? Right. Right. To position because them. You want the kid, you want to say, okay, well, what is it that you want to do? So what major is affiliated with what that thing is that you want to do? And then focus on top 10 programs. There right. are a lot of jobs out there. However, there's a shortage on good jobs. Right. Right. So the best way to prepare your kid for those good jobs is to make sure that they have appreciation for knowledge and they understand how to learn and know how to learn, mm-hmm. you know, as they go through life, as opposed to just getting to college and thinking that it's all going to work out. Because sometimes it always doesn't work that way. Right. Well, Dr. Selby, that is a lot of excellent information. Um, and it's going to take a while for us to digest it. But we wanted to at least ask you, mm-hmm. do you have any parting information, anything that we haven't covered. I know it's a lot that you could cover, mm-hmm. but that you want to share um, with our listeners um, to just sort of give them some parting information. Well, the tax rules are really driven to benefit corporations. As a small business, you can be a corporation. Um, you can be a partnership. You can be an S corporation or a C corporation. There is an, an enormous amount of flexibility for lowering your taxes if you're a business a business owner, an itemized filer, et cetera. So I'd like to come back and talk with you in more detail about what some of those things and what that looks like at some other point in your time. However, we know that today that we don't have enough time to go into that level of detail. So, well, But your overall question about how to lower your taxes, if you're a business or a business owner, the world is your oyster. Wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. That, that, is, that is good information. I have one final question, sure. if you will. And if you need to think about this when when you come back to talk to us, that'll be fine, too. Um, There are a lot of people who can't afford to hire a tax professional, Mm -hmm. right? So are there any books or resources for those folks that could get the same information? How can we get this information out to the masses, to those people who would benefit from it but can't afford to get it? The Internal Revenue Code is free. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if you want to, if you it, want to start reading it, you better start now. But is do you have to have a degree to decipher it? No, you do not. Um, it's written in legalese, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But here's 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 an easy answer to your question. Hopefully, I don't offend you by this. Mm-hmm. To say that if if a person could come along and take five thousand dollars off your tax bill, but they cost you mm-hmm. five hundred to pay them, yeah. it, was it, it is, was it, it worth it? It doesn't it doesn't offend me at all, and I understand God. what you're saying. But mm-hmm. see. The way that certain people think or interpret or, you know, they don't see it like that. Well, and and if I I could just interject, because when you were talking earlier about uh, business owners hiring people 
experts and professionals. What I've seen um, are people who are great at cooking. Mm-hmm. I've seen this, you know, just personally, and they open restaurants and they are wonderful at that. But then, um, I mean, my husband and I, and we, we support the restaurant and we're excited about it, but they don't have the professional knowledge to handle the business piece of it. Mm-hmm. And so, and then you go back a few months later and they're shuttered. They're closed. And I've even spoken to people about what happened. And it was that very thing that you said. They didn't have the uh, business ability and the, to, to actually manage the business. They didn't have the tax professionals. They didn't get the legal advice that they needed to shore them up to ensure financial success. So I do get your point about you don't want to pull the money out, but at the end of the day, if it saves you money and if it allows you to to continue in business, you have to look at that picture because I have seen many, like I said, I've seen wonderful people. And the example that I've seen is just typically restaurants where I know people are good people and they're excited about it and the community is excited to support them. But at the end of the day, it's something, a few cases I know about personally, it was the taxes that did them in, that they couldn't pay the taxes. They got into trouble with the taxes. Exactly. And they had to close their business. I know personally of those examples. It's called sustainability. Right. Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, I get that. So, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And you've offered, we've got it on the recording, to come back, (laughs) and we welcome that discussion. So, again, thank you. Thank you very much. As you know, during the course of an interview, we sometimes wish we had provided additional clarification which may be beneficial to our listeners. Such is the case with our interview of Dr. Selby. On behalf of Dr. Selby, who graciously met with us, I offer the following points. Make sure you hire a competent tax professional. When your tax return is honestly and competently prepared, audits are never anything to worry about. Regardless of your age, whether one is a millennial, a senior, or anyone in between, having a good work ethic is essential to success. Dr. Selby knows that there are members in every generation with a great work ethic. At different points in the interview, Dr. Selby refers to the living spouse who is left behind after a death as the existing spouse or remaining spouse. The term he actually prefers, and that is more commonly used by the IRS, is surviving spouse. While most colleges and universities are good, there are some that offer outdated majors and courses that do not contribute to gainful employment. Do your research to make sure you choose wisely. There may be good jobs available. However, there is a shortage of highly desirable jobs. Again, we thank Dr. Selby for sharing his expertise and the follow-up points of clarification. And we thank you for joining us today here at Earrings Off, because you know when we know better, we do better. Have a great day.